Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And boy, howdy, do we have the biggest, baddest motherfucking monster that has ever been on Tooth and Nail. <laughs> that was just a, that was just some jokes. Welcome to the comedy podcast where we talk about goofs and not real things. We've talked about really big monsters. We've talked about really complex monsters. We've talked about mm, big, not complex monsters. Today, they were talking about the little guy. Yeah, this one's one for the... The underdogs, the the Hawaii's, the Rhode Islands, the the Canada's. <laughs> well, this one's for you. <laughs> yeah, that's they... a small European country. I want to get the other side of the world. Yeah, take that. Uh, no, not take that. Take that, Luxembourg. <laughs> this one's for you. Take it, please. Times may get hard for Luxembourg, but there are two boys in America that are rooting for you, and this one's for you. <laughs> that's right. We're talking about the cockatrice. Yeah. They did the boy dirty for like 40 years. They, they've they been doing this boy dirty. Yeah. There's just not much to them, which is weird because like it's a mythological creature. They have the mythology to make something kind of interesting for the cockatrice. They could at least do the bare minimum like they did with chimeras, but they didn't. Yep. What we have here is a picture that takes up three fourths of the page, one tiny stat block and one tiny paragraph. But apparently that's always been the case for cockatrices. They've always not had much to them. Yeah, looking into past edition from what I could find, like on the wiki and all that, they they are mentioned often. Yes. They are given nothing. <laughs> yep. Very strange. Very strange occurrence. So basically what they are, they're in D D, they're just these spiny roosters that have the ability to turn things to stone with their bites. That's all there is to them. That's pretty much all we get. There's a little bit of fun mischief that you can do with these guys based on the small little details that we do get. But aside from the fairly interesting artistic take that we have, we could probably bang out the rest of this episode in like 10 minutes. Yeah, probably. So let's see how much we can pad this sucker out. <laughs> it's gonna involve me talking about some stuff, I imagine. Mm-hmm. So the artistic representation of the cockatrice is the neatest thing about the D&D cockatrice, which might, again, just be an unconscious judgment only because the picture of the cockatrice takes up most of the fucking page. But artistically, the cockatrice looks something like a cool little dragon chicken rooster guy. The book describes it as a hideous hybrid of lizard, bird, and bat, and that's pretty on the money. It dominantly has the silhouette of a rooster, but it also has these exaggerated dragon-like ridges and very bat-like wings and this spiny tail, and these weird little strange tufts of beat-up-looking feathers that go along its spine. Yeah. It's very weird. You tell me, you know, if you asked me to picture a tiny little rooster dragon, I would have expected something a lot cuter. This thing kind of looks like it's sick. It looks dangerous, and it looks pointy and ragged and battle-weathered. It, it kind of looks like, obviously, you know, the cockatrice is just hovering in space on the page, it looks like, without anything to put it to scale, like it would be massive, like it would be a big boss monster. Yeah, it's that I didn't know that it was a small creature until I really got into the stat block to see that, because it legitimately looks like it would be like a huge class. It's kind of, it almost feels like a joke, like it almost feels like a comedy beat. Like that's why they made the page so big. Yeah, you see, you turn the page, you see this big thing roaring at you. And then you just scroll down a little bit more and the stat block is like an inch wide and the lore is like a paragraph long and you're like, oh, it's tiny. It's it's very strange. It's very silly. I almost wonder if like 
And especially with the way that the cockatrice articulates artistically, it looks kind of like a monster, like something that could be deadly. And I wonder if, like, in the earlier editions of D&D, where everything was all sword and sorcery and grungy and whatnot, I wonder if the cockatrice was supposed to be kind of like a, like a death adder, like a poisonous snake, like something small that is unexpectedly deadly. That would make sense. It's the, <laughs> if that's the case, the art kind of doesn't really portray that <laughs> at all. For the previous editions, I'm oh, saying. Oh, Specifically, like, second edition is the first edition of art I can find for the cockatrice. Mm -hmm. It straight up, like, I'll give you 100%. I, 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 I don't even have to send you the picture of it, because I'll tell you right now. It's a rooster, mm -hmm. uh, but it got bat wings. Great. And a lizard tail that ends in a tuft of rooster feathers. Okay. Uh, the body is fully feathered. So it looks like a mythological creature. It looks like a Greek, let's just mix a couple of animals up together. Here's your monster kind of thing. Yeah, vaguely. Here, I've got it downloaded. I'll just send it to you on Facebook real quick. Or this episode of See the Nail brought to you by Facebook. Facebook, book on your face. There's a book on my face. Mm. Yeah, I see what you mean. It does. It kind of does just look like a rooster with a dragon tail and wings. Yeah, they just slap bat wings uh, thing on it. No. Yeah. Uh, the thing that's really interesting to me, you <laughs> you said that it looks sick, mm -hmm. right? I want you to pull up the fifth edition art to be right in front of your face. If you yeah, can. it's right there. Here is the third edition art. Okay. Oh. Yup. It if you if you look real close, the th the fifth edition art is just like the third edition art, but somebody uprendered it. Yeah, just a bit spiny. They made it a little less sickly looking, and it's just like tighter graphically. That more or less confirms what I suspected with cloakers, right? That fifth edition art is mostly just the uh, mid two thousands three point five e art, just like kind of adapted a little bit. Yeah, this is just I think like of all the things I've looked at, this is the most blatant example of it. Mm. It's like the same pose, almost the exact same, like everything, yeah. except the tail's a little different. Yeah, it's a little bit spinier in this one. It's a little bit more feathered in this one, but by and large. Yeah, it, it looks a little gooey and sick in the third edition one, but it, yeah. in fifth edition, it gets its feathers like get bring, brought back to life and it looks a little more dinosaur-esque. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't totally know why they decided to take that angle in either 3.5 or in this edition. It does. It looks, yeah. it's very, maybe it's supposed to make it seem dangerous or at least like poisonous. Like you don't want to get bit by it, which is true mechanically. Yeah. But like, it's, it's strange, right? So like the, the coloration, it's all off color. It looks like it's kind of, at least the fifth edition version, it looks like it's made of stone almost. Like its body shifts from dark gray to light gray in a very mineralized marble-esque kind of way yeah whereas like the the third edition looks like all of its feathers fell off and it's like a sickly pale kind of yeah slimy translucent skin yeah yeah but it's the the fifth edition one still does look very sick like its eyes are all milky and weird which like yeah. might be that might be a reference to basilisks and how cockatrices and basilisks have uh similar like history and can often be conflated so that might be like a little subtle little reference to how as to how cockatrices have a stony gaze as well. Oh man, we'll get into gazes in a second. Okay. I have more other old backstory about cockatrices and adjacent creatures. All right. Well, I'm excited for that. But yes, it does look it's it's like 30% waddle. You know the little gross dangly part on the turkey or the rooster? The cockatrice is like 30% that. It's got like ragged skin just jutting out all over the place. It's very like 
scrawny and has points wherever the artist can stick points in that very fifth edition way. Yeah, the fifth edition one was like hella barbed, yeah. like all over the neck. Like, yeah, it looks like a bramble, which is kind of appropriate because the little bit of lore that we get for the cockatrice tells us the cockatrice is very thorny and quick to anger and choleric and very whatever the word I'm looking for. I'm not totally... Yeah, I, what I'm getting at is the cockatrice looks aggressive and sharp because it is an aggressive, sharp creature. Yeah. Yeah, the addition of the little tufts of feathers make it look even grosser. Yeah, I think so. I, I hadn't taken like a real close look at the fifth edition art because I was so looking at the third edition weird, goopy, kind of slime-esque tail and like stuff of the third edition one. But the fifth edition one is really just like every inch they could cover in bars yeah. and tufts of feathers that spike out and it is definitely a microcosmic expression of what the D fifth edition art style is as a whole it is let's slap as many spikes on this dude as we can it does the wing finger thing except to an extent that there are more fingers than would make sense yeah it's very strange it's very weird i guess to some extent there are like there are there's a measure of that weird surrealist monster design thing that I like, but I just, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's because there's so little to the rest of the cockatrice. I'm not maybe as enthralled by this creature as perhaps I should be. Yeah, I think if there was like some kind of feature relating to how like their barbs, like if there was like a... Yeah. Like if you, if you, gra if you grapple a cockatrice like you get stung or something yeah if it related like, to something else if the cockatrice was a poison creature instead of a petrifying creature it would make more sense because this thing looks leprous right i think i would like it a little bit more that way but yeah. as it is i mean it's fine i'm not like bothered by the artistic representation it does the job it's interesting it's striking it, i was gonna say in a vacuum it's striking and cool yeah yeah so that's that's more or less all the thoughts i have on the artistic representation again it's very spiny it's very sharp it's it almost feels like they're parroting themselves by just how spiny and sharp this creature is. But ah, in terms of the lore, we hope that you dearly enjoy the single paragraph that we get. It basically, <laughs> of all the lore that we do get, it is mostly ecological details. So like, of course, the cockatrice is infamous for their ability to turn stuff into stone. And the book brings that up. But they are also, the book tells us, known omnivores eating berries and nuts and flora and small animals like bugs and rodents, basically... Pretty much whatever it can swallow whole, the book specifies, is stuff that Cockatrice eats, which kind of is interesting to me. So, like, it almost implies that the Cockatrice can't eat the things that it petrifies. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so the reason why it would swallow things whole is because it can't eat the thing that it lightly damages, since even minor scratches, the book tells us, even minor scratches from the Cockatrice can result in petrification. Which is kind of interesting. It almost feels like the Cockatrice should be like some sort of cursed animal, right? Like some angry god or mm. demon lord cursed <laughs> the rooster to have this ability to kill things that would leave it unable to eat any, like a very King Midas-y kind of curse. That is my favorite. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is so yeah, good. Yeah, I think that might be like, if I, you know, if you put a gun to my head, if I had a player that was like, knife to my neck, give me a fucking cockatrice adventure, you slime. I would be like, that is <laughs> that is the best I can do in terms of cockatrice lore. It's it's it, so it, it's kind of interesting in that regard. It does mean that the cockatrice's petrification doesn't feature importantly in how they live their daily lives, which is kind of weird to me. I think this is the first monster we've had that doesn't actively use its magical ability that it has as part of hunting or just living its life. Yeah. Which like all I can really do at this point is just wish for more context, but meh. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I, I've tried. Like, I don't want to, like, download another book to read what the books say about mm. them. But, man, like, just vague surface level trying to internet search more about Cockatrice. There's just nothing. Yeah, I couldn't find anything either. So we do hear that cockatrices have a hellacious temper and that they're known for a fierce temperament in response to even minor threats. Consequently, they'll run up to and squawk and peck at anything that makes it mad. It kind of feels like cuckoos from Zelda, like the little chicken things from Zelda. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think there might be some kind of fun set pieces that you can make from this angry little chicken monster that can turn things to stone. I kind of like the idea of using the cockatrice as like almost like a landmine against the more dangerous things in the area. Like, have you seen the, the gif of using the little cuckoo, the little Zelda chicken in order to kill big ass bosses in Breath of the Wild? I've absolutely heard of it. I've never seen it. It's kind of what I feel like cockatrices should be used for. I think that that is, best case scenario, in a combat encounter, what the cockatrice is for. You you could have, like, a cockatrice in a box that you just bring with you Yeah, everywhere. or something like, oh, there's a... I, well, we'll talk about it in a bit. I was thinking something along the lines of, like, oh, man, there's been a bullet attack at the cockatrice ranch or something like that. And then it's, like, a big thing where you're trying to bait the cockatrices to fight the bullet while trying to keep the aggro minimal on your own selves. <laughs> but, yeah, that's more or less the best I could come up with. And it's very strange. I... Because I, like you, when I saw this, I was like, oh, there must be more to these guys. I'll do a little bit of digging. I did a bit of history research, and it almost feels like they're committed to not having cockatrice lore. Literally all of the stuff I found is almost verbatim what's in this book. Yeah, and they've been around since, like, <laughs> second edition. So for fucking 30 or 40 years, they've just been uh -huh. hardline not going to have any cockatrice lore. Yeah. The Literally, I think the only thing that's changed since previous editions is that they used to be immune to other to petrification via themselves and other cockatrice, mm. but that is gone now in fifth edition. Yep. <laughs> yep. They have they have less yep. than they had before. I bet you their petrification was better in previous editions too. Yeah, the third edition cockatrice was a CR three monster, so I would imagine mm. it used to be stronger and mm. cooler. So like <laughs> here, I I'll do the cockatrice, it's due diligence. Is there anything that you have to say about the lore or the artistic representation anymore about this creature? Uh, the only thing I have to say about them is that there is a variant on them in 2nd edition that is cooler, but has pretty much just as little about it. How is it cooler? Just for fucking, we gotta pad this baby out somehow. Uh, so instead of the kind of the petrification beak it's like a cockatrice with a different ability hmm. it's a cockatrice with instead of having a stony touch or gaze it's called a pyralisk right right if you meet its gaze so imagine if you will a cockatrice in second edition uh, just a big rooster with bat wings and a tail right. it looks exactly the same but the tail is bright red okay it lo it's looks up and looks right at you as soon as you make eye contact with it, the very second you make eye contact with it, you and anything flammable around you bursts into flames. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty That's pretty good and funny. The problem is, is that 5th edition would make it so that you have to avert your gaze and turn it into a big shitty fight. Yep. It used to, it was like an evil creature and it was the mortal enemy of the phoenix. Sure. So like it uh <laughs> It had that. There's like a little bit about it where it's like pretty much just a 
slightly more intelligent cockatrice. They like gems, shiny objects, you know, bird stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I th there was one thing that I thought was cool, but I guess it's not on this page, and I don't really feel like finding it. Yeah. Uh, other than, essentially, like, they would start in, like, cockatrice, what, what's the, flocks, I guess, yeah. and then they would branch out and create their own, like, weird society of birds that can't look at other living things <laughs> that's kind of cool so so good job pirateal or whatever they're called yeah something like that yeah good job guys we hope to get to you in 30 years when we're <laughs> doing second edition D, D stuff second edition stuff jesus christ that'll be a disaster mm -hmm. we have to talk about thaco mm -hmm. so catch us in 2029 <laughs> Get Keanu Reeves comes out on stage. Yeah, I gotta talk to you about something. He says it's a bird that if you look at it, it makes you on fire. <laughs> Take a look at this, and then he points. Take a look at this. He points, and then you look at it in its eyes, and then you catch on fire. <laughs> oh damn it! Day at E3 jokes. Yeah. So mechanically, there's not much to these guys either. The cockatrice is a small monstrosity, not smart enough to have an alignment, so it's unaligned. They have a super small challenge rating of one half, a very low, even for its super small challenge rating, AC of 11, a very low, even for its tiny little challenge rating, HP of 27, and a very small run speed of 20 feet, and then an above average fly speed of 40 feet. So that's kind of interesting. We have a creature that can get mad very easily at stuff and can also fly and petrify at whatever's around. So that could be used for something. Yeah, it's bold of them to give it a 40-foot fly speed, but have the audacity to make it, like, look like it cannot fly at all. Right? It looks like it'll break its wings if it tries <laughs> to get off the air. Exactly. But I, I guess, you know, if, or at least if we're operating under the monster concept that I have for the cockatrice as just, like, a wild card creature that can petrify early game stuff that's in the area. Mm -hmm. It's a nice addition to have the cockatrice be able to fly up and get at whatever you as the DM want it to get at, whether it's aligned with the party against something else or aligned with some monster at the party or whatever. I kind of like the idea of like a horde of cockatrices being like cuckoos and just swarming at the party that just wanted to fuck around with this weird chicken. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> and it's not even like you could do it at the point where the party can just like one hit kill the cockatrice. Just knowing that if one of them lands one little pecky bite. They might be inconvenienced for a day. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, again, the payoff isn't amazing. But for the early game, it could be kind of a neat oh shit moment. Plus, like, I guess we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. Right. In terms of the attributes, the cockatrice's stats are either above average or garbo. With trash strength and trash intelligence and trash charisma and above average dex constitution and wisdom. They get their 60-foot dark vision, which, by the way, I was thinking about it. I think it might be time for a new segment where instead of just making the joke that the creature has dark vision, we start to kind of come up with reasons why they might have dark vision. So my best guess for why the cockatrice has dark vision is that if the cockatrice is supposed to be based off of the Greek mythological explanation for a cockatrice, where it is uh, a chicken or whatever that was hatched by a snake, snakes have infrared vision, and mm. so there might be some sense behind that. That's my best guess. That is my jumping over backwards, grasping at straws to explain away the cockatrice's dark vision. Bold. I was going to attribute it to either lizard or 
bat DNA. So that was pretty much about as far as I was going. Yeah, bat was what I had thought first, and it might be cool if you flavor the cockatrice's dark vision as echolocation of some kind. Oh yeah, absolutely. That would be. So there, that's something interesting you could do. Hey. The cockatrice gets the modest passive perception of 11, which is fair. Like if the idea is that the party might want to frenzy the cockatrice onto another hostile creature in the area, the low passive perception means that the rogue could very easily stealthily bait and switch the cockatrice into giving it aggro on some other creature nearby. This this almost feels like instead of a monster, it's just a magic item. <laughs> like this is the cockatrice magic item. If you poke at it and run away, it'll turn something nearby to stone, maybe. Yeah, you you searched the big bad evil guy's lair and you found a cockatrice. Congratulations. Yeah, it's a cockatrice in a jar. Have fun. <laughs> Attuned to the cockatrice. I think that's kind of what they're going for as like a wild card magical thing rather than an actual serious threat. Yeah. So the only thing that the cockatrice can do is bite, which is the important thing that it can do. It gets an average for its garbage CR, plus three to hit, and it has a reach of five. It has, it does a poultry. I really, really, really fucking tried hard not to say poultry, but here I am <laughs> saying poultry anyway. Yeah, I, as soon as you said it, I was like, whoa. It does a poultry, ha ha ha, waka waka, three <laughs> 1d4 plus one piercing damage. But if a creature is hit by this attack, they must succeed on a teensy little DC 11 constitution save, or like in Basilisk, the petrification process begins. On a failed save, the creature turns to stone and becomes restrained, as we saw with basilisks. If they fail again, they petrify, but only for days. So like, eh. yeah, I there is honestly, it feels kind of like a last minute decision. Like they were like, do we want to see our one half creature to be able to petrify things forever? Uh, that could nah. probably end in tragedy. We'll just give it a day's recharge and that way somebody's ass is saved. Yeah, for sure. That is 100% what it feels like. Which, like, doesn't invalidate the cockatrice completely. I can still see this as being kind of like a fun gotcha oh shit moment where the people in the know or even not in the know come across a cockatrice, it bites someone, they turn to stone, they're like, oh fuck, I just lost my level three character for realsies, only for them to just pop out fine the next day. And then, like, if you want to do it like this, the other adventure hook that I could come up with is... Obviously, when a creature is petrified, there's still that provision in D&D that when stuff is petrified, if they crumble, they lose that arm or body part or are possibly killed forever. Oh, so yeah. you could realistically, if you wanted to, do like a protect the whoever got petrified thing, protect the statue encounter, where you're just guarding the Witch. poor barbarian that got got by a cockatrice from, you know, a party of bugbears or whatever. Or even like in the case of a swarm of cockatrices... Protect the big stone statue from the rest of the birds. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there is some fun, some little gotcha, some little magical trickster stuff that you can do with the cockatrice as is. It is wild to me that the cockatrice, looking at it, just even at a cursory glance of its picture, that it doesn't have like a talon rake attack. <laughs> yep, just got a bite. Like anything to kill its prey without the beak to nope. avoid like so it can eat food like <laughs> yeah i think i like that that it really does make me want to consider the cockatrice as being like an abomination that's why it's so sickly it can it doesn't eat a lot <laughs> yeah it can't eat because whatever it tries to kill it accidentally turns to stone i like the idea let's petition like get get merle's on the phone get <laughs> get crawford's gmail attach my linkedin to uh fucking the other one i can't remember chris perkins follows me i'll, I'll at him 
Yeah, <laughs> add it at that Perkins, man. Add at that Perkins. Ask him what's the deal with the cockatrice, and then politely submit to him that perhaps it could be due to some sort of eldritch curse or demonic plague that has transformed regular chickens into sickly little sad koala animals. I will also, while adding him, ask him to consider deleting the chimera from the book and trying again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get him to revamp that chimera, too. Yeah. But yeah. So, again, as I've alluded to many times, this doesn't feel like a full encounter on its own. I do not, I could not imagine what a cockatrice fight would look like. <laughs> so... Rather than trying to create an encounter against a cockatrice, I would rather imagine an encounter something like this, where, like, the fight is against an onkeg or a balette or some sort of big, dangerous creature that demands a lot of attention, and the encounter, the sort of meta-encounter, is the party is trying to get the cockatrice to go aggro on whatever it is they're fighting as opposed to be aggro on them. And this could end in interesting encounters. So like, I'm imagining a scenario where if they're fighting an onkeg or a balette or something that can fly up super high or something that can burrow under the ground or swim underwater, something where there could be dead rounds where the monster is not obviously there, but the party is still obviously there. I can imagine some fun in there being like a tug of war thing where, oh fuck, the bullet went underground. Now we're the only thing that the cockatrice can see and now it's trying to peck at us. Oh, let's see if we can get it back to where the onkeg or the bullet is going to pop out of so we can get the cockatrice to try to petrify and kill the bullet. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. That might be a fun way to take it. You could also do maybe like a don't wake daddy kind of thing where <laughs> the party has to end this big encounter before aggravating the cockatrice or cockatrices nearby. Like if you're at the cockatrice ranch at Farmer Joe's cockatrice ranch and there is like a, an orc raiding party there or something and you just like as the party have to put down these orcs or get these orcs away from the ranch so that they don't rile up all the cockatrices and make them attack everything right yes i do i'm like i'm over here off mic laughing because this is the first time we've we, we've put up the proposition that farmer joe has a problem relating to monsters but they're his monsters <laughs> <laughs> my birds are weird now i got trouble with cockatrices and you get there but they're his. it's like the lady in oblivion with the rats yeah, the yeah absolutely so yeah those are those are my things. Obviously, the cockatrice can fly, so this can articulate in a more interesting way if you have a flying creature. Like, if you want to spice up a chimera fight, throw in a bunch of cockatrices and have the cockatrices try to go at the chimera in the middle of the air. There is, you know, a sort of grace that D&D gave you by including a flying speed on this monster. Yeah, if you're going crazy, I have constructed in my head an entire scenario in which a bunch of swamp fairies use cockatrices as mounts. So That would be, be kind of cool and fun. I also like the idea of a bait and switch, where you think that you're going into a basilisk nest, and then you just end up face-to-face -face with a mad chicken. Yeah, it's just like three or four mad chickens. It's just, uh, Speaking of that, I this entire time I've been looking at the cockatrice, I think I was thinking it'd be like, Argh! but I just fucking, I am dying on the inside to walk into a cave and have these scary, decrepit-looking bird lizard bat-winged things just... Yeah, just be like kind of passive until they're really riled up. Just yeah, just like pecking at the ground and then like doing the chicken thing where they stand straight up and they make a burp, burp, yeah. Burp. That would be kind of cute and fun. Yeah, and they almost do feel like flavor creatures. Like if you want your world to feel a little bit more magical, maybe have some cockatrices in the Hogwarts 
academy that you have hanging around. Yes, cockatrice eggs are yeah. amazing for breakfast or some bullshit. Yeah, it feels kind of like, uh, let's make the world more magical with these magical animals rather than here is a serious monster to have a serious fight with. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, besides the potential hilarity of the grumpy chicken running at the people running away from the grumpy chicken, there isn't a whole lot to this guy. I think, you know, if there, it's good for a punchline, but uh, that's about it. I mean, like, everybody could use a laugh. I could use a laugh. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, there's, it's, it's always good for when you have an encounter in your D&D game where you start it and the players think it's going to be something serious and then you just subvert it immediately and it just mm. turns into like a, well, that happened. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like you could pretty easily if you lead the horse to water, so to speak, if if you get a bunch of cockatrices around the party and they find a way to weaponize them, I could see that as being a very fun, like, D&D meme <laughs> campaign where, like, you guys won't believe how my party killed my villain. Yeah. It just got a whole bunch of cockatrices at it. Dropped him into, a, like, a, a bottomless pit full of cockatrices. Yeah. So, basically, the cockatrice is my new favorite monster move over Cloaker. <laughs> So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Tooth and Nail. If you liked what you listened to, feel free to listen to more Tooth and Nail if the fancy strikes you. If not, feel free to have a look at some of the other shows hanging out on nerdsmith.org where we're hosted. Uh, Dear DM is always a good one. In Vain is cool if you're into uh, Vampire the Masquerade stuff. I think they're going to pick up a new actual play podcast in the near future. Mm. Uh, Now that Countless Heroes is down, I'm imagining they have something planned for afterwards, right? I'm imagining like they're going to do something cool and new. So if you're in the mood to watch some folks play D&D and see potentially such fan favorites as the Cockatrice or the Chimera <laughs> in action, feel free to check out nerdsmith.org and see if you can get yourself an actual play podcast that you that you might like or an actual play stream of some kind. Yeah. In the meantime, what, what uh, is the creature comfort for today? Yeah. Get get you some more lore or a bigger stat block. <laughs> Go read a goddamn book, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Go just stop with this deed. Get your head out of the clouds. <laughs> You're always Re- reading about D&D monsters. You're never reading about <laughs> farming. You're never reading about space travel. There's Creature big comfort. Thing. Here it is. Here it is. You know what? Here it is. Creature comfort. You go, you sit down. You get yourself a nice cup of hot cocoa. We haven't yes. done that in a while. No, we forgot to do that last time or the time before. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's been a couple of weeks. Mm. You sit down, you get yourself your cup of hot cocoa. You sit at a desk, you light a nice candle. You get out a pen or a pencil and you get out your notebook. And you just write literally like one page of lore about the cockatrice. And congratulations, you've written more about the cockatrice than anyone ever. And I think I think that's comforting. Honestly, like real talk at me, at me with cockatrice stuff. <laughs> And I'll, I don't know, I'll invite you to do a Tooth and Nail episode. How about that? Yeah, at a strange Orion or at Tooth and Nail or at Team Adding the Art. Anything about Cockatrice. Just yeah, let us, and give you us could, anything. You, you <laughs> could be drawn to join us on an episode of Tooth and Nail. <laughs> so I look for my inbox is waiting. <laughs> yes. Have a good day. Bye-bye.